in Omaha, Nebraska. The other kind of radio. It's The Other Kind Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. The other My name's Jeff. Uh, I am one of your hosts. And uh, Todd will be joining us shortly here. Uh, and for those of you who are just tuning the in for the first time, Talk Radio is a weekly podcast that focuses on the ping pong ball that is culture. I don't know why, but when I wrote that, it made me laugh. Because I'm five <laughs> inside. Um, so much to talk about today. Uh, we're going to, uh, I know everybody's, you know, including me, we've had plenty of AFI talk, but we're going we're gonna to wrap that up today. Um, and uh, just, just to kind of play around with the list, we've got... Uh, some movies that we're going to suggest that maybe uh, get put in put in the list, and then and then some that get taken out. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the podcast awards. We have an update there. Um, we're also going to uh, get into a point that is madly, sadly uh, overlooked, and that is one hundred percent my my fault. So we're going to get into uh, the results of the uh, fantasy movie league and uh, give some shout outs there. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about and review The Kind Listener. I think it's time now we kind of go and, and look at some of the uh, statistics that we've got from our listenership. Uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good dive into who is the listener and where are they from and, you know, what's their home address and social security number. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, so with all of that being said, uh, fresh off of his uh, fishing trip, which I'll be interested to hear about, let's see if we can't get uh, this gentleman on the line. I, 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 I queued this up because I figured he's, he's, he's still tired from his trip. So let's see, here we go. Good oh. morning. Woo. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. This is me tap dancing. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good oh, that morning. was awful. To you. Let's see if he's here. Todd, are you with us? You know, um, <laughs> we, we talked about after being there together. We, we're going to do cams now when we're far apart. And Jeff, literally, when he said, this is me tap dancing, he slid <laughs> off the camera. And also his shoulder started bopping back and forth. So that was really Jeff tap dancing. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning. Uh, either that or it was a horrible example of uh, Foley, an attempt at Foley. Or Folly. Could be or that. it could be an example of things that you shouldn't be doing on camera. I don't know which. Very true. Very true. I have a face for radio. My coffee's cold. This is... This is... <laughs> It's funny you say that because I thought, okay, both of us from now on, we'll, we'll start these. Hey, you ready? I'm ready. Mm -hmm. uh, let me grab some coffee. By the time we actually go through the pre-pro, we say this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. The coffee's cold. So we either fire the coffee person mm. or we think ahead and go, okay, we need to get fresh coffee before we start. Or we hire a coffee person because I think we, we left out an important step there. 
Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> now, the thing is, did they have to jump from Nebraska to Texas to get our copy, or no, do we we'll, have two separate people? We'll just get two. We'll get two. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll go wake Shelly up. <laughs> <laughs> that won't work. So how was, how was the fishing trip? Did you catch a fish? So we caught a ton of fish, actually. Did you catch a fish? I did. I caught. Okay. We didn't, you know, this is not the type of thing where you weigh them and, hey, look at this butt. Right. We go out with a fishing guide. So it's it's two, two and a half days of going with a bunch of guys that I, I live with. Fishing live fi- fishing guide? Hang on. I'm getting there. What? So, I don't live with these guys. I live in the same community as these guys. We all have daughters that are the same age. Sorry, you said fishing guide. I figured this would be appropriate. Please, no, continue. <laughs> He's taking his headphones off. We're going to have too much fun with the cameras being on. Um, <laughs> so we go out, we go camping. You know, it's a lot of shooting the S. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of bravado. But then we get up early and go fishing. And it is a fishing guide. Uh, really, all the fishing guide is this. This is not real fishing. You're going out on his boat. He is going to bait your hook for you, literally. It's like you go here, and then you drop it in, you pull a fish out. Now, the thing is, this dude knows how to find it, find the fish, and we're just going along, and, man, we're pulling things out. And I, I got one of the larger fish. I want to say it's probably like, you know, nine-pound, big, daddy, fat thing. And then the torrential rainstorm moved through. Mm. We were caught on the lake in a downpour. The, luckily we'd almost caught our limit he said guys we've got to go in by the time we all got in he had rain gear in the boat for himself not for anybody else of course not we were all drenched so, but it was a great time that you know that makes the memories stand out so i, I right. gotta go back you're, you're 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 catching fish are you sure there wasn't just somebody underneath the boat just putting dead fish on hooks no, I'm you? not sure at all. <laughs> I'm not sure that he doesn't have somebody that just swims along with some gear and goes, okay, there's one, put it on. Right. It right. literally is, it's the lamest excuse for fishing that you've ever done. But what it is, is it's uh, seven guys on a boat, drinking beer early in the morning, busting each other's you-know-whats, cussing, having fun. And they were never seen again. Well, the funny thing is, poor guy, you know, he just got a new motor on his boat, and we get out there, and he tries to turn it over. He goes, oh, mm, the thing won't come back on, and we can see the clouds, and we're like, right, oh, oh, right. Die. What they thought was just a boy's out-on-the-water experience turned into a diabolical situation, and then you have this music come in. <laughs> Well, we did eat caviar. You know, oh, we're out okay. of the lake and we're caviar. Oh, Lord, I'm having issues. Sorry, folks. Um, so that would be funny because if you if you if you found out a little bit about your guest on your boat, you'd be like, "Oh, this is the podcast guy," and then maybe you would catch a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, as luck would have it, I'd, I'd catch some uh, headphones that had come loose from their jack. That how be- how movable is your camera? Yeah, we need to get that window out of frame because it's throwing off the white balance. Okay, okay. good. Wow. Uh, so th- <laughs> that might be the point you want to edit out of this podcast. How movable is your camera? Right. All about 15 seconds of silence. Right, right, exactly. It's touch and go here, folks. No no wonder we got the news we got the uh, yesterday. Um, okay. Shut up. So let's get in. Let's get in. Let's get into the show. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you had a good time on the boat. Six people sounds like a lot. Seven people total with him, eight total. It's a it's a big boat. 
You know, you never had the we need a bigger boat thing. How big of a boat was it? Big enough that we didn't sink. (laughs) (laughs) Was it a yacht? I'm not talking to you anymore. (laughs) Maybe this camera thing isn't a good idea. This is almost too much fun. We're going to lose our listener base because all they do is just sit there and just like blah, 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 which I guess we kind of do that anyway all right well i'm like last week when we were in the same room was any more riveting than this and the weird thing was is you you, where you where you sat uh, you know it was it was i kept banging my head into the microphone because i had to turn my head but this is good this is this is good the sad thing is i kind of have a tendency to look at me more than (laughs) watch you but we're not here for that folks we're going to start the show now we're going to start things out with what we normally do, which is, uh, T- we, I don't know if we're going to shorten it and call TTO, but it's, ooh, I like that guitar you have in your office. See? Th- ruined it again. Todd's take <laughs> on it. Let's get the projector going. I want to make sure it's not too loud, because last week it was a little loud. Here we go. Let's get this going. Ah, uh, yes. It just sounds so warm. Todd, what are you taking on this week? So, in in the interest of... Uh that we've we've talked so much about film i wanted to shift gears now this is a book about film but probably one of my (laughs) favorite things in the whole world is to actually find really good books that dive into the making of film there is the the classic carl gottlieb book called the jaws log which actually he was this the main screenwriter for the finished script of jaws and he actually they they cast him in a role so he could be there the whole time and he writes this great book about it there's one about Blade Runner that's equally as good, and it tells how horrible the production was and how everybody hated each other. Well, the one I want to get into today covers the 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 last of the classic Star Wars films, Return of the Jedi, and it's simply titled The Making of Return of the Jedi by J.W. Rensler. His books, he was given the rare opportunity to go in after the fact and, and look at not only the shooting logs, not only interview people, he gets the budgets. When you read this book, you are literally getting a slice of every facet of making this film. So it's one minute he's on this day. This occurred. They didn't know where the fun, funds were coming from. They had this meeting with these people. It is the most exhaustive. So, so I, I've got I've a quick ever. question. Quick question. Yeah. How I, Just for the, the kind listener that's out there, how technical are these books? I mean, do you have to have a degree in film like you to, to really enjoy no. them? Okay. I, I think that I do think that some people would probably read it and go, you know when they start talking about the lens tests and what they do and why they're doing this and this it might get they might get a little tired head but then you get into this deep dive of i'll put it this way david prowse who classically played darth vader had screwed over lucasfilm by all but throwing out during empire strikes back the production of it hey i think darth vader might be luke's dad well you can imagine how much that pisses george lucas off who then all but excommunicates him and to Uh the point that you start getting this delicious behind the scenes stuff about David Prowse says, you know, during Jedi, they would never kill off Darth Vader. And if they did, it's me who they would show. Well, they didn't show him. And so you're getting all the machinations of that. And it's just, it's fascinating reading. You know, I I often tell Jeff about, hey, learn this if you want to know more about film production. If you are like that and you want to know, these books are expensive. They're hardback only as far as I know. They are amazing. They, it takes a lot to read them. But do yourself the service of trying it. If you like those movies, read these books. So, so yeah. Give us some more. Give us a little more of the, the the meat and potatoes. So the Darth. So he accidentally mentioned that he thought Darth Vader might be Luke's father. 
Yeah. Or he so, did it on purpose. Did he did he know and he was pissed at Lucas or was he just like trying to now he was Darth Vader and he was having a Darth Vader moment or you go back to David Prowse, you know, David Prowse is not the greatest actor in the world. And where Darth Vader has that big booming James Earl Jones voice, I forget where in England David Prowse is from, but he has a very thin voice. <laughs> and so if you ever hear the actual raw footage, he'll, he'll come and go, men, go this way. Bring me this and this. And it's like, oh, God, it's wrong. Well, I, from what I understand, he was very offended that they did not use his voice ah. so it began this descent into that they had a little animosity to the point now where you know lucas doesn't even have anything good to say about him he's uh, he is not even officially a member of the star wars family wow and david prowse you know poor thing his health has deteriorated and he he has had to pull off of the the circuit of signing autographs because those people really get a secondary career they do going around conferences and signing autographs and whatnot and make a pretty damn good living but you know it's filled with things like that it talks about you know carrie fisher at the time getting fitted for the the, the slave bikini and oh yeah you know she really she really gets in this whole thing hang on you created this great feminist character and suddenly you're just negating me to you know tna and you know it, it talks a lot about that it talks about how the production people hated the ewoks they were like what are we doing with teddy bears everywhere so <laughs> it does not hold back when people have negative opinions but you really what you get is that even though Lucas did not have an official directing credit until he went back to the prequels, he all but directed this movie because Richard Monquan, the director of the film, just could not handle it. It was too big for him. So you get a ton of this kind of stuff. Again, if you are interested at all in how films are really made, this is a great way to throw yourself in and kind of look at how big of an operation this is. So another question, a follow-up question I have for you is how much... Hmm, how much do you have to really enjoy a film to enjoy a, a, a book of this type even more, right? So if I read uh, The Making of Gone with the Wind, forbid, mm -hmm. I, probably, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't be that interested in it. You know, I would probably be like, okay, and then they set this thing on fire and that was cool. But I mean, <laughs> does, it help to, does it help to have a true passion and love for the film that you're reading about? I mean, does that take you to another level, kind of like watching extras on a, on a Blu-ray disc? I, I think... Yeah, I think definitely if you are a passive film fan, go for the films you love. Okay. What I what I like is I either go for the films I love, the films that I don't get. If mm. I don't get a mm. film, then I'm kind of like, tell me why. What did you do? Why? Or the films that I think are a mess I love to read about. So, you know, mm. it's my take today is not on a film I saw last night, but I went and saw The, the Meg, the new big shark film. I went with my wife, daughter, and one oh, of my daughter's friends. Oh, The Meg. And, you know, it's about exactly what you expect. But I will be fascinated because I know it's from a book and I knew it took a long time to get it to the screen. I'm very fascinated why they did what they did. So, so for me, I, if there were a book about it, I would read about it because I don't think it's a great movie. I don't think it's a horrible movie, but I'm very fascinated why they did it. Is is Meg more like Sharknado? Is it is it like that over the top or is it just... I wish it was Sharknado. I wish it had the mm. silliness of Sharknado. Oh. It tries earnestly sometimes to be cutesy and have a love story that it, you know, what they should have simply done when they introduced the two people that fall in love is do a split screen with hearts shooting out their asses. No. <laughs> because it couldn't be even more transparent of them wanting to, oh, they're going to fall in love. It's like, oh, God. Did they do any tribute lines to the original Jaws? Like, you know, we're going to need a bigger stick. There is not that, but uh, I, you know, I, I wonder how many people would notice 
there's a dog in this. Oh. And the dog's name Orca. is the same name as the dog that's in that is briefly in Jaws. <laughs> when is there a dog in Jaws? The famously when the Alex Kidner kid gets killed, the little boy, you know, that's out on the raft alone, and then the, the famous push-in shot on Scheider. Right. There's a man throwing a stick to his dog, and, and it's it's foreboding because we know for sure that we've already heard the dog, don't, 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 don't. Yeah. We know it's out there, but what really tells us is this man's playing fetch with his dog, and suddenly he can't find his dog, and he's going, Pippin, Pippin, oh. Pippin. Well, all of a sudden, this dog jumps in the water, and this lady goes, Pippin. My wife and I both almost crapped our pants. We laughed so hard. <laughs> it's, it's a great nod. It's... You don't want you do not want a shark film to say we need a bigger boat. Right, right. You right. don't want to say talk about it's you know it's a twenty footer. You do how you tell it from this to this. You, you don't do the the obvious quotes to the shark to the Jaws fans. You go and find the, the right. dog, and it is funny. Good. I wish more of that. And you know, you make me think of, uh, and I just watched that Spielberg documentary available on uh, HBO now. I do think one of my favorite scenes in Jaws is when Roy Schneider is... Uh, Schneider. Schneider. He mm-hmm. said I could call him Schneider. Uh, <laughs> uh, is throwing the chum out, uh-huh. and he's got the cigarette dangling out of his mouth, and, and he's like, why don't you come down here and you know scoop out some of this crap, you know, or whatever. And the shark, shark kind of comes out and just, hello, hello, love. And, uh, yeah, it's a good scene. And now you make me want to do, we need to do a whole episode on Jaws. So you, you open this Pandora's box it. with me, and you're going to get it. In fact, I was going to talk to you about this in pre-production. I promise, kind listener, we're going to keep moving on. But I had an idea about, you know, we've talked about wanting to do something like a, a podcast minute or whatever. What if we did um, that type of podcast, but we did it by scene? That's a cool idea. The best scenes from the classic No, movies. no, no. The whole movie, just by scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So rather than it being a minute, because uh-huh. I, you know, I love the minute, of the minute of the movie uh, family. The, movies by men. Yeah, movies by men. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> I, I love your podcast and and the and the the Wonka one. Uh, uh, what was that one again? That's the. I'm not going to tell you minute? because you never remember everlasting minute. Everlasting minute. <laughs> um. It was funny. I didn't plan that. Uh, but but uh, if we, it, one of the one of the things that and it, it can be a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, we all have our opinions of cliffhangers and everything. But one of the things I like about it is, um, or or it frustrates me sometimes is that minute will be right in the middle of something, and you know. So I think if we do it by scenes, and then I could learn what a scene is, because then I was like, well, is That's there a, a is there a movie that has too long of scenes to do it? But like. You know, like here we are germinating this idea. I think that's a great idea. I think that, you know, especially if we treat it in the educational thing, because there is a rhythm to a film where it this has to do this and it ends here. So you're right. Um, Planet of the Apes doing that whole that whole bit has been frustrating for me as well, because there are often times I'm like, oh, but you can't say this without talking. And and I hate that rule that we only go to the minutes. So I like that idea. Okay, all right. Well, see there, kind listener, just a little bit of the behind the scenes we're pulling the curtain back i'm ready for my close-up mr deville and just not wearing pants by the way (laughs) so don't pull too far yeah you guys want to know a sad thing uh we get on the podcast today and obviously we're doing the camera thing and todd has a batman shirt on and i have my uh nintendo shirt on with the nintendo controller and you know being 45 that says something um (laughs) 
It says that we are cool. <laughs> it does say we, we're cool. We're cool on this podcast. That's right. Um, okay, cool. I, I like that. Um, do I have a subscription to Audible? No plug intended. Do they do some of those books on Audible? Because I think I like to listen to those. I think the Jaws log might be out there. And Jaws log, if you, man, I'm telling you, there, it is the pinnacle of behind the scenes okay. movie books. Look for that, the Jaws log. We'll do that. We'll go ahead and cut that uh, projector off there. Thank you, Todd. Todd's take on uh, Making of the Return of the Jedi uh, by J.W. Rinslerzer. <laughs> Poor Mr. Rinslerzer. We'll, uh, we'll we'll move right along here for Jeff's judgment on, and uh, I'm excited about this one. Um, uh, there's always uh, a nice moment when you're surprised by a show, and so I I am a subscriber of Homebox Office now, and decided I'd heard a little bit about it, didn't really know the premise, um, and began watching their first season um, called Sharp Objects. <clears throat> So the basic uh, pitch on this is uh, a reporter confronts the psychological demons from her past when she returns to her hometown to cover a violent murder. That main character is played by Amy Adams. And I did look through her film list because she's a very dramatic role um, in this particular uh, project and actually thought that she had not played a really uh, serious part before, but I was wrong. Uh, she's been in uh, Catch Me If You Can, Enchanted, Big Eyes, Nocturnal Animal, which I don't know if you've seen that, Todd, but that's a, that's a hardcore, uh, very uh, visceral, very vivid type of uh, film. And then she was also in Arrival. So she has been in, on the dramatic side. She plays her character, is a huge alcoholic, and has, like I said, uh, a lot of demons uh, in, in her character. And she just, she does such a great job. I'm, I'm a really big fan of her. Um, because it's easy when you're, let me back that up. (laughs) I've never been an actor, so I can't say it's easy, but from what I've seen in the past, it, it seems that the alcoholic type character can often be overdone or quickly, um, brushed with too broad of a, uh, 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 Painted with too broad of a brush. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. She does a good job. She is. She has some manic moments, but even when she's finally expressing some of this stuff, it's done in a matter that 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 still is uh, very muted. So uh, it also stars Patricia Clarkson, uh, who plays her mother, who is one of the reasons why she's uh, kind of where she's at. Uh, and we enjoyed Patricia in Good Night, Good Luck, one of my favorite movies, The Green Mile, and Shutter Island. Um, one of the things I really noticed <clears throat> about this, and, and I was saying to Todd during the pre-production, it's so great to watch things now with a little bit, a sliver, mind you, a sliver of film knowledge. But it really has has changed um, my viewing perspective and and really made things... Um, enjoyable. I almost equate it to, we've all seen skaters, you know, that do the half pipe and yeah, it's really cool to see them go down and come up and do a flip and then land and do it. Right. I not being a skater, look at that and say, that looks pretty incredible. But I think there's another layer underneath there for those that do skate or participate in the half pipe that when they see a, 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 a difficult move pulled off, 
they have a deeper appreciation for it because they know physically what you're having to do to, to make that happen. So with, that's with, a great analogy, by the way, that's thank, really well said. Thank you. Thank you. So now as I'm watching film again, I'll reiterate sliver. I'm by no means an expert, but I'm seeing little techniques that we've discussed over the hundred movies that we reviewed and kind of, it's nice to know that, you know, it's maybe a little homage or a little pull from, from a previous film or whatnot. So, um, I'm really enjoying it, not only for the acting, but the way it's shot, uh, which brings me to, uh, the director who is, uh, Jean-Marc, uh, Valet. He is, uh, from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and he's given us such great, um, uh, cinema. He's worked a lot in television, but also a lot in cinema with uh, probably most notably Dallas Dallas Buyers Club. He also did uh, the Reese Witherspoon movie called Wild, which is a fantastic book. I've listened to that on on tape, and uh, it's fantastic. He also was heavily involved with uh, Big Little Lies, which also was on the Home Box Office Network. So um, that's kind of the the storyline, and I've got just a couple notes here um, about what I like about it. Um, it's definitely a return home kind of piece. Uh, the reporter has to go back to cover these murders and now she's kind of having to deal with old friends, old boyfriends, old experiences. But what I really like about this show is it's pulling from some, some very, um, or reminds me of some very, uh, big shows that I've seen in the past. Uh, one of them being Twin Peaks. I have in my note here, not Pops Twin Peaks, because I don't know if you have you seen the reboot of Twin Peaks? Did you, have you see that? Unfortunately, yes. Okay, so he loves that stuff. The 45-minute shot of the dude crawling into a, a wall socket or whatever he's doing, Pop loves that. He loves that stuff. Me? I loved the original. The original yeah. is one of the, it, it was literally that moment when I was deciding to go to film school, and Lynch is one of those that you're, as a young person, especially getting into this, that he's taking taking risks and you're wow i can't i love this so the original one i thought is a beautiful marriage of what a soap opera on television should be and a visionary filmmaker i i found the show time one to be too self-indulgent i know i went down a rabbit's hole no 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 i I bring it because that's i'm the one that kind of brought that up and asked you if it's seen it but it does have a little twin peaks-esque to it it's not a david lynch shot and it's it's not as haunting as a david lynch piece or as it was in twin peaks but it is a story of a murder, a moida, and you know what everybody locally is doing to kind of how they're impacted by it, who they think it is, and and it's just done really well. Um, probably into episode, and and they're not done yet. Uh, the new episode comes out tonight. I think I'm five or six episodes in. Um, probably about episode two. It came to me real quickly, and I was like, "This should have been what true, uh, or uh, excuse me, yeah, true was it True Detective." Yeah, true detective. The it, that was HBO two, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it this should have been season two of True Detective. One of the great things that True Detective did was, you know, or they promised, which was basically, um, you know, different story. It could still be called, I think, American Horror Story has done it, where they sometimes have some characters that 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 uh, make the jump over to the second season, but for the most part, it's kind of a new thing. If they had taken this and done True Detective, because there is a detective in it. Um, it would have been great. And I was, uh, don't need to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, how disappointing season two was. I thought it was an, 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 an attempt, but nowhere close. So 
Uh, the the second show that it really pulls from that that, that I enjoy is True Detective because you kind of have the whole Moida thing going on. And then it also reminded me of the early episodes of Lost. One of the reasons why I think that show captivated so many uh, viewers back in its day was it was doing a lot of flashback, some flash forward later in this in the season. But in this, um, I you know I thought about it. I was thinking about whether or not I should I should say flash side because obviously you can't. You, you either flash forward or you flash back, but I, I decided to leave it in because what what they do in this show is they do have some flashbacks, but a flash side to me is something that um, they don't spend much time in the flashback, so it'll be parallel. So she'll be walking into a room, and there will be uh, very intermittently, you know, spurst scenes from 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 something that she's absor- absorbing, and the beautiful thing it does in our talk of cinema is it conveys the scene, the feeling without it going. I remember that day when I was walking down the street and stubbed my toe, you see what she, you obviously see her looking into a room and the flashbacks, um, do a great job of kind of bringing you in and why you're there, but without it just being like the whole, like, and then there's the scene, and then and you're back. It's really, really well edited. So uh, uh, I, I enjoy that kind of lost, if you will, uh, reference in it. But um, you know, all that being said, I've I've already, of course, I immediately text Todd whenever I see something like that. But um, you know, the beautiful thing is HBO. You can get HBO now. You can buy a month of it and leave it alone after that. Uh, but if you have it in your in your cable subscription or just want to have a good show to watch um i almost would recommend if you haven't seen true detective watch the first season of that and then watch this and see if you agree that uh those two are 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 pretty well matched up but uh that's jeff's judgment go check it out it's uh, sharp objects from the home box office network and uh i'm excited because it's sunday and the next episode is coming out yes todd go ahead that, so Jeff says yes, Todd, because Todd's over here waving on camera, going, "Hey, let me talk for a second. I thought you were um, flipping me off. <laughs> here, that's that, Jeff. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple of things in there. You know, I, number one, I can't wait to watch this. I, but at the same time, I've got, I, I'm disciplining myself now that I've got to get back to a bunch of films that I've missed. So that's where I'm going. I didn't expect to talk about this, but the whole flashing back inside and all that is a convention that is so difficult to pull off. But when you pull it off. Wow. And, you know, here we've talked about Citizen Kane and what it's able to do. And you look at the intricacies of that story where it literally is a parade through time as somebody's looking at a piece of paper and flipping it up and down. We go through eras and things like that. When somebody can do it and find a masterful way to do that, you bring a depth to the characters that normal film doesn't. You're usually going to wait for the characters to convey via dialogue. Gee, mom, but you did this to me. You hurt me. You know, you're going to have to have that it's such a neat convention when you can do it correctly um and so interesting sorry and so interesting interestingly done that sometimes you don't you for just a second you don't know that they flash because right. it's her opening a door or something like that but it's done really well please continue and i find that hulu's castle rock which i talked about before is doing a ton of this kind of popping around like that what's interesting is that as my daughter who watches it with me becomes more acclimated to it there's less of the wait what's going on <laughs> you know when you don't know what that's coming i want to say one thing to you about your sliver of knowledge that you keep referring to. 
film, anything that you fall in love with like this is you always only have a sliver of knowledge. I don't care how much I have studied. I still find things that suddenly I'm like, oh, God, I've not studied that enough. My current obsession right now is actual motion within the lens, how you construct a scene when people walk in. Spielberg is a master of it. People walk down a hill. There's a, a shot in E.T. They walk down a hill. And as they walk past the camera, the camera follows, leaves them alone. And suddenly we're on one of the characters who says something, you know, mm -hmm, and it's just mm -hmm. a great master way. I think that you're always going to be doing that. What I love the most is that you're beginning to understand in that way. These are elements of this language that I've got to do. So kudos to you. I'm so proud of you that oh. you're, you're jumping in like that. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, I, I watched, uh, I rewatched another film that isn't so good. And, and, and now I know why <laughs> for some, for some of that stuff. So, um, that's Jeff's judgment. Todd, I'm going to go ahead and call an audible. I think we're going to do, uh, AFI and then we'll get into, uh, the kind listener details. Okay. So uh, right now we're going to go ahead and we got some emails, some feedback. The kind listener had some homework, which was to find their favorite three movies in the top 100 and maybe three um, that uh, they wanted to look at having put in. But in a beautiful way, uh, we kind of had some people to say, well, here's how about this? I'll take five movies out and put five movies in or three movies in. So um Thank you so much for your feedback and the conversation. If you have conversations with some people that listen and um, they, they seem to really enjoy it, uh, you know, and so we'll, we'll go to our first email here from Mifada, um, which he writes, <clears throat> great show. The o o Omaha trip was one of, uh, of the best. Uh, which, thank you, Pop, appreciate that. And he says, uh, okay, I couldn't do three, so I'm providing five movies in and five movies out no extra charge fellas is are you paying pop are there check checks being cut i asked your dad not to say anything <laughs> but every email i have to shoot over 25 bucks and i'm like <laughs> i what the thing is is he keeps cranking out the emails regularly and i'm i'm running dry on cash. i know geez louise gonna put us out of business all right so uh again thanks for the email pop here we go with his five movies he wants to add in should we do the in or do the out first what do you what do you think Maybe the maybe the five he wants out. Yeah, I think we have to go out. First. Okay, yeah, you have, to, you have to clear the space before you can go in. Because your head is about to explode. Uh, uh, yeah, the five movies that Pop wants out, gone, cut, deleted, never seen again. Um, <laughs> uh, the first of which is E.T., which is directed by somebody I can't remember his name. Uh, so he wants out. E.T. Treasure of the Sierra Madre, The Sound of Music, American Graffiti, and Titanic. Wow. So, so do, you, do you want me to comment on these as we go? <laughs> is so there, off, is your, there, your parents were so lovely to welcome <laughs> me into their house. I'll never be asked back again. Um, you know, the whole time you was shaking your hand. Oh, yeah. Nice to meet you, Don. Yeah, oh, you're great. He's going, I'm going to cut E.T. from the top. <laughs> so, so what we have to remember about this list and, and yes. look, and, and whenever I get to my three. Yeah. What I did, and I'm not trying to win at this, but what I tried to do is the AFI is trying to say significance achieve, significant achievements in the cinematic language of film. Right. They have to be something that changed the aspect of film. You cannot remove E.T. from this. You absolutely <laughs> cannot remove it. It 100% created a, a massive subgenre, directors, people who followed. That is such a landmark film. Treasure Sierra Madre... I look at it and I think, eh, I, as I said, I don't like it a lot, but I would have to research it more. The other three, 
I'm not going to argue about Sound of Music. I'm not going to argue about Titanic. American Graffiti, I might because of its inclusion of music, but the, the you know, E.T., you cannot remove from this. You just simply can't do it. And Graffiti, it, graffiti it's was... It's tale that's ever been told. What's I say that again? I, I stepped it's on greatest, it. It's, it's the greatest cinematic fairy tale that's ever been told, in my opinion. Titanic or E.T.? Yes, Titanic. Yes, that was a fairy tale, Jeff. <laughs> oh, Actually, good. it was. I might like it more. Warning, warning. Todd's fired up. <laughs> <laughs> no, E.T. I, I, you know, I, the funny thing is, I'm I'm going to so go into the gr the weeds here with your dad. Your dad shows me a film that he loves, and I, and I do believe that we all have films that we absolutely adore that are not great cinematic achievements but he was it is it baby's day out that he loves so much <laughs> i would have to look at when baby's day out is made but you don't you do not have the door open to make films like home alone and whatnot the subsequent films that come without et first being there i'll look that up i'll look that up right now baby's day so if you know 1994 you, is when baby's day came out so i'm not saying that i'm not saying it's exactly the same film it, it is a it is a derivative film of home alone but i'm arguing that you don't have the sweetness oh yeah of people like chris columbus who was a spielberg disciple right you don't have him making home alone that then makes this movie without et being here it is that important of a film so you can't remove it from the list but for your dad because i like him <laughs> he gets to remove it for the next three minutes while we talk about the films he wants to put on um graffiti was lucas right yes and, and it was an interesting conversation that we had while we were visiting with the parental units i'm i'm pretty underwhelmed by lucas and i and i don't want to get into a whole tirade about that but i mean it was something like 17 14 films that he's got director credit for and most of them were the new star wars there were six there that's that's awful um I do think the analogy of, of Lucas being the Jerry Jones, because Jerry Jones, you know, in my opinion, got the Cowboys and then really quickly turned out like three Super Bowls. And then he was like, I know everything about football. And subsequently, many, many, many seasons without any kind of real um, success. I think the same thing kind of happened with Lucas, where, I mean, I guess Star Wars is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But he really hasn't done anything else. Um so I think he has a total of six directing credits, to be fair. Six. Oh, is it six? Okay. Um, but, you know, American Graffiti, uh, I would agree with that. I agree with Titanic. Um, Sound of Music. Uh, you know, it, it has a great opening shot. It's yeah. a sweet movie. It does not belong on this list. I, I Without question. And I love Robert Wise. Again, man, Titus is Kane. Love that man. I don't like the movie. Right, right. It's, yeah. Um... So I, I and the treasure of Sierra Madre was one that I, I I didn't see, so I lose on that one by default. All right, so we've 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 discussed that. By the way, I do want to say real quick, it was great having you over to the parents' house. They were so gracious because you know it, it was interesting. It was it was a bit of celebrité, um, but then it, things. And I hope you weren't beat down too much by this, but then it kind of turned into so Todd. You ever seen, uh, you ever seen the movie The? <laughs> and you would be like, no, I, I'm, I really haven't seen the movie The. And then if you could just picture in mind like somebody writing, yeah, hasn't seen The. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay. So Todd, it, it, never, it never got to that point. <laughs> I'm going to stop you. So this, you know, when you when you put yourself out there as this lover of something, 
and naturally people are gonna be like have you seen this you know when right. i went on the fishing trip the other day with a bunch of guys like well what movie are you looking forward to and i'm like i'm not thinking about movies right now i don't know if you'd ask me when i'm thinking about it you know black klansman spike lee i can't wait to see it but i wasn't there your dad your dad loves movies yeah, and i yeah. think that the, the great thing about movies is there are so many genres so many different factors that go into what we love and what we, what we dislike that what i love is when your father can put on a thing like baby's day out which mm -hmm. is you know again it's home alone meets silent filmmaking blah 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 blah, yeah, blah. yeah i i love watching that because i can look and say that works because of this or that's pulling this from there i love that right so no, no one beat me down <laughs> with that except for you it was just an attempt for me to be goofy but yeah it was it was great to have you over and it was it was fun to to talk film and, and all of that and uh, can't wait till we can all do it again all right, so uh, with going down that rabbit hole, let's let's uh, shift gears and let's go into the five movies that uh, my father uh, thinks that should be in. Right now that ET's gone, they they burnt the original. People don't even know what ET is. They say ET and they're like, "Is that Entertainment Tonight? What are we talking about?" <laughs> talking about uh, the five movies he's looking at having in. We'll take them one by one. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Man, I love that movie. That is a great movie. I love that movie too. But if I'm using my my AFI, if I put my AFI hat on, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, not besides being a great story, did it and what, well made and well made. What did it bring to change about cinematography or film, American film? Um, honestly, I think, and it's hard to say this. I don't think if it it, it reinvented or invented any new uh, elements, but it took elements that already existed and just batting a thousand, knocking them out. Nailed it. Yeah. I, you know, you, you go along with this and you, again, you did it exactly. You have to look at not just, is this a good movie? Is, you know, when I get to what I would remove, my wife might ask for divorce. <laughs> I mean, she might just say, that's it. I've had it with you. But one of the films I, I look at is a film that I love and I'm like, doesn't belong there. Didn't do anything to change the landscape of it. And I think it's sentimentality that we put it there. I loved that movie, The Assassination of James, uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Good God, that's a hard title to mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Nah, screw it. I loved that movie. It doesn't it doesn't belong, you know, I, I to me it doesn't belong in the conversation. It just doesn't. But it's a nice film, a nice film to, to talk movie. about. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right, let's move but, on. To but if, the, if the rules of the game are, like you said, films that either created the language or changed the language or at least the, the scope and opened the doors that were no, weren't even there initially. Right. It, it doesn't belong in that, that, that house. And if you're the kind listener, this is the first time you're, you're actually hearing about this um, movie. It came out in 2007. Um, and... It's uh, basically Robert Ford, who idolized Jesse James since childhood, tries hard to join the reforming gang of the Missouri outlaw, and, but gradually becomes resentful of the bandit leader. It is directed by the same guy that gave us Killing Them Softly, Andrew uh, Dominic, and uh, features Brad Pitt, uh, Mary Louise Parker, uh, Dustin Bollinger, Casey Affleck, Sam Rockwell's in it. Um, folks, if you haven't seen this, 
Uh, and it's good that, that Pop brings it up because, you know, um, there may be some other opinions out there. But um, check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. Shot beautifully. I almost want to just go put it on right now and, and get in that mood. Um, anything else on that one? No. Okay. Uh, I I don't want to belabor it, and I hate even breaking this apart like this. But you know, if if the whole gist is let's talk about why something belongs on a list, then yeah, we have we have to get into sure, that. sure, sure. All right. The next one uh, he's suggesting is the hours. Another great film. Um, Meryl Streep. Go ahead. Fantastic performances. I do think you can make an argument that it does create. Hmm. We've seen a lot of films like uh, even Sharp Objects to an extent that that is very female focused mm -hmm. type thing. And and what is the the other the the Reese Witherspoon thing that's on HBO that was uh, Big Little Big Lies. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I've I've still not gotten to see that, but I think you can make the argument that the hours opens the door for this kind of filmmaking yeah i don't know that it opens it enough to say that belongs on this great movie right 2000 deny that. real quick i'll i'll do the tail of the tape hours came out in two hour two it's funny because when i first read it my my laziness i thought it was after hours which we talked about that movie uh -huh. but i yeah. was i was like oh no that means the hours so the hours came out in 2002 directed by stephen daldry do you know of any other movies that stephen directed off your head not off the top of my okay. head but I, I know his name and it features uh nicole kidman julianne moore meryl streep uh, just a, a a myriad of the Hollywood's finest actors, and oh. go ahead. No, I, I'm sorry. I was just I was looking at something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and uh, it's basically the story uh, how the novel Miss Dal uh, Mrs. Dalloway affects three generations of women, all of whom, in one way or another, have to deal with suicide in their lives. So, I th I think this is an argument. You know, we'll put a maybe on it. Um, yeah. So, it's definitely there that at least is a compelling, but it, to me it would be that where it currently belongs around 95 to 100. Right. And it might get... There you go. Well, we'll give we'll give that one a ding. That's good. Yep. All right. And then... Um, so then we go on to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What, you know, but to be fair, why don't you uh, give us the summation of that yeah we're, we're we're writing this as we go folks so hank bear with us and i of course was i on imdb and one of the things i like to do is instead of typing dirty rotten scandals in the search bar i type it in the url and then <laughs> and then it becomes a search so if you've got it up you can read it um that's that's frank oz's directing effort um 1988 film yep. starring Steve Martin, Michael Caine, two con men try to settle the rivalry by betting on who can swindle a young American heiress out of $50,000 first. I love this movie. I told your dad that, you know, I am so juvenile that any time that I have to go to the restroom, I find myself doing the Steve Martin, excuse me, <laughs> to go to the restroom. Go ahead. And then rolling your eyes up as though you're peeing yourself right there while you're at the dinner table. I love that movie. Yeah. I don't know that I think it belongs in this because, again, what did it do to elevate the rest of comedy after? I think you can probably say we put some people in there that were famous and we put them in silly roles like that. Um, Frank Oz, who the man that does Yoda, he does. He's a good director. He did a great job with this. I just don't know that I think it belongs in that upper discussion and it and it is going to be an ongoing discussion because one of the things that we're going to run into is a little bit of cannibalism in the afi top 100 i mean obviously if it's a movie that pulls from elements of earlier comedies mm -hmm. 
it's going to be very, very easy to disqualify a movie because it's you still have those existing movies, right? Because everything's going to be, well, you couldn't have this without that. That's exactly the conversation that has to occur. Is, and, and in fact, I'm going to say the next two films on your dad's list really are these kind of, okay, here's where this comes right. in. We couldn't have this without this, without this, without this, or this doesn't belong here because you wouldn't have it without this. Right. I don't know that Dirty Rotten Scoundrels has that that conversation tied to it. Yeah. I would have to probably look a little bit deeper into films that came after this and and the kind of things, you know. Um I I I could look more at a fish called Wanda as a seminal kind of comedy in this type genre that mm -hmm. might belong more than that, but I don't even know that I can make that argument. All right. So. We we won't quite we won't give it the ding, but we'll give it a because it's knocking at the door. It's it's there, but it's not just quite in. And I'm sorry, folks. Right. I know that was really loud. All right, here we go. We're going to go to his last one. Uh, oh, or his last two. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Now, this was one of mine. And I told him when he stole it from me. Um, I'm kidding. Tell, Blazing Saddles. Oh, I didn't pull it up. Do you have it up? I don't, but okay. I can. I, I will say this. Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks, period, is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers um i love just about everything he did until Spaceballs. uh that's when it became almost too silly but jump the shark so blazing this... saddles I, i've got it here blazing saddles 1974 in order to ruin a western town a corrupt politician appoints a black sheriff who promptly becomes the most formidable adversary it has uh, Gene Wilder, Slim Pickens is in it. Uh, Harvey Corman. It's a again another huge uh, array of fine actors, um, and a very very fun film with with uh, Richard Pryor too. Uh, That's right, because Richard Pryor was supposed to play the uh, uh, black sheriff, but um, right. yeah. So this one, I think your dad definitely has an argument for. I, I think that you look at this film and this film could not be made today because of the political correctness of the world. And that, you know, we don't, at this point, we don't allow satire to jump in and poke fun at our conventions to the point of saying, look how horrible you are when you do this. That is the greatest satire in the world is I'm going to make you laugh at the wrongness, but by the end of it, you're going to go, God, I shouldn't act like that. Right. Right. That's when it's beautiful. And this is beautifully done. Funny, 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 funny. It probably has, a billion different copiers out there now jeff said to me don't you think that perhaps young frankenstein's a better example of what brooks could do and i i can't disagree with you because then how many subgenres of satirical takes on film genres do we have young frankenstein's the, the better film yeah this may deserve the, the argument for what it did culturally yeah i think it wins culturally hands down but Frankenstein's the better film. Several times during Blazing Saddles, you could hear me say, "Oh my," because yeah. yes, in the climate we're in now, it would be uh, it would be uh, you know not uh, not revered the way it it was because of when it was made and 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 the attitude at which uh, it put forth. So uh, I agree. There, his uh, last film is, and while you're talking, I should be typing is uh magnolia if you know the tale of the tape feel free to roll that off so this is paul thomas anderson's 1999 film um his follow-up to boogie nights oh. this is the epic mosaic of un uh, i'm sorry of interrelated characters in search of love forgiveness and the meaning uh 
I'm sorry, am meaning in the San Fernando Valley. I love it when you read something and you expect it's going to say something else and you start putting your own words into it. And you're like, <laughs> if I put more words in, it won't make any sense. So this this film is this film is it's perfect art to me in that my wife and I fought about it. She hated it. I loved it. The best art is the kind that should create division. It, it, I don't know that I think that art should always create unity. I think it should create thoughts that sometimes we're, we're, we're definitely a part on. I love this film. I talked to your dad about it. It, had, it contains a, middle, a point in the middle where I think it's a musical moment where all the characters happen to hear the same song on the radio and they're singing it. And it's almost like they're each singing their own version of it. I don't, I don't think it belongs on the list because I think Nashville by Robert Altman already possesses the place on the list that is this, which is a wide mosaic of characters. He, Altman is the granddaddy of I'm going to put a billion characters in a film and have each of them be rich characters. That's what you have here. And, I, you know, I think even Paul Thomas Anderson, who's a phenomenal filmmaker, if you ask him that question, he'd probably go, oh, 100%, that's who created the genre. So, again, if the AFI is a list of things that are pinpoints on the map that led us to where we are today, Nashville gets this pinpoint. All right. Well, then we'll give it a, uh, a Dreamweaver. Maybe if uh, – I didn't get a Bee Gees. I, I don't have any of that cues. <laughs> we only have so much production. But, yeah, if they were able to, to do some weaving and some dreaming – Yes, they were. Maybe, it's a great yeah. movie. And look, it, it may be the one that you put on and go, what the f- was that? It's yeah. just, it's it doesn't speak to you. But if you let this in, man, it's a great movie. And that closes out his five that he wants to have on there. Um, I'll, You know what? We'll give, uh, we'll give him a little love. We do appreciate you writing in. His continued support is appreciated. And uh, thanks again. All right, we'll move on to uh, our next featured email. Um, obviously, we weren't able to cover everybody's email because we run, uh, uh, we're already running long. So, uh, uh, But this next email is from one of our good friends, David, uh, with the everlastingminute.com. Thank you, David, for listening, and thank you for sending in an email. We appreciate that. Um, he doesn't have any that he would take out, so he just has some that he would like to have put in, uh, the first of which is uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I will say this. At the at the first reading of it, I was like, no. But then, you know, you start thinking about it a little bit more. And it did do some interesting things uh, in the world of cinema. So, Todd, is there an argument to have this in? There's an argument. I don't know that it would make it. Um, I And... and- I'm trying to form my thoughts. David knows how much I love it. I, I yeah. got to be a guest on a few weeks <laughs> of the show when when his partner was away, as well as that they let me on to talk about my favorite song in a movie, movie musical, Pure Imagination. Yep. I love this movie. But if the rules are either what created the language of, of that genre or somehow permeated beyond or made such an impact that it changed... So it's, it's argument is, is it's place and time that it opened the door for fine storytelling, great characterization, incredible music. But I think that, you know, E.T. comes along as far as a children's film and basically wipes the slate clean. And that that kind of negates it. And everybody goes, yeah, it was great. But once it's it's, it's the same as that there were great films before Citizen Kane came on. But Citizen Kane comes and it's like, bam, 
it just changes. So I think that there are other, I think that ET probably possesses the sole children's film place on this list. And I, you would be very hard pressed to push walk in. It's definitely in the top two fifty, I would say. Hmm. 1970 yeah. it came out in 1971 this is pre-star wars buddy it's also a year before i was born um, yeah it's pre-star wars but okay none of its special effects are groundbreaking the way that star wars no was. no 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 and i'm not i'm not suggesting that in some way it should compete on that level but i think while it didn't have spaceships and a walking rug um edible teacups <laughs> uh chocolate fountain and I just, I mean, to me, the storyline alone uh, is, uh, holds quite a bit of merit because it is, you know, the golden ticket and the journey through and the test at the end. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's knocking at the door, but, you know, other than um, Wizard of Oz with the Munchkins, do you get Ewoks if you don't have Oompa, Oompa? Yes, you do, but they take a different path. I, I, it's where that again. This is such a great movie. Yeah, I, I think your whole thing. It's knocking at the door. Yeah, but I think that the AFI is locking that back door. They're going. I'm sorry, you have to go around to the front. <laughs> it just, it just misses it for me. And and I, top one fifty, top two hundred. Okay, all right. I, and 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 I might even be able to come around. And go okay, one fifty. I've never done that deep of a dive. There's actually the list that that were the nominated films that might be fun to dig into because what they if I did was actually culminate. Here's our historians say here are the five hundred films that are achievements in cinematic language right. picked from this list. Well, I, I think that's a good discussion that we've had on that. And and again, um, thank you, David. We're going to still continue his, through his email. But folks, if you've if you've seen both of them both of the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movies, uh, or just seeing the 1971, highly recommend you head over to the everlastingminute.com. Check out what those guys have going on. They're actually doing one of the movie by minute by movie, movie by minute. Movies by minute. Okay. I just love that look that you get in your eye. We're like, I guess <laughs> I have to say it again. Well, it's the look of Jesus, Jeff. Do I always have to come <laughs> along and what you want? Daddy, can I have some mac and cheese and make it for me? <laughs> I think that's a stretch, but that's funny. You made me laugh. Uh, but uh, it's part of the uh, Movies by Minute um, family, and they do a great job, and they really interesting stuff, because not only do they break down the, the movie, but I believe they talk about the book that was written about it as well. And one of the actresses, I think they wrote a book, and, and some really interesting stuff, like, um, real quick, for those that have seen it, the scene where they're in the boat... That that whole, you know where they they jump in the uh, steam boat and they're going in that tunnel and it's all the weird imagery. You're looking like you don't know, but you, I can see. I know it. I know it. Okay. I'm waiting for you to get to your point. I'm like, God, come on. <laughs> the filming of that, they were required to be on this huge scaffolding. Mm-hmm. That they had to like climb up and out, and it was so bad that like while they were shooting, they they couldn't leave. So. You know, bathroom breaks and food breaks and everything were kind of all done up there. Um, and then it was just horrible shooting. It was, I think it was like a, a week or three days or something. They were up there and I just was fascinated to know that one of the, my favorite parts of the movie was absolutely terrifying for the, for the actors and actresses that were in it. I, again, great movie. Great, <laughs> great, great movie. I just, 
I would be hard pressed. Somebody's going to have to make a very hard case. If we're doing the Hall of Fame voting, they're going to make a hard case, have to really pitch a hard case for me to say that belongs. Copy. Okay. Moving on, uh, he suggests The Matrix. He says, I think this movie was created, uh, movie created a brand new method of visual storytelling, and in my own opinion, has become extremely influential over the past 20 years. Todd, The Matrix. I, I think that at this point, David probably makes the single most compelling argument to this point of a film that belongs on the list. Then that gets a ding. And I, yeah, there won't be much discussion on this. Cause I agree. As I told you in the pre-production meeting, this is the first movie that used quote unquote bullet time shooting and has gone on to influence a lot of movies. And for me, um, going to see the first one and walking out of the theater, mind blown i was yeah. walking on air for the next couple of days just thinking about wow what yeah a- that's that's when a filmmaker or filmmakers since it's at that time they were brothers now with gender reassignment i don't know if they're yeah I, I keep every time i say actresses too i gotta remember it's just actors yeah um so it, that is that is ballsy filmmaking in that one that that is everything that you want on this list it changes something it creates something that wasn't there before so suddenly now we you know the, the closest i think you could probably argue before that was almost the terminator type approach which is there's an alternate reality to this 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 was a perfect film to come out at the perfect time of the internet age launching it is it's paranoia it's sci-fi it's everything you want to be great movie definitely definitely can make the argument that that belongs in the top 100 and i did it before i'll do it again we'll give it a ding welcome to the club matrix and his last suggestion is walt disney's beauty and the beast while little mermaid is the dividing line uh of before and after the uh for the walt disney uh company beauty and the beast is a signal what the uh that they were back without beauty and the beast i don't think the walt disney company would uh, be where it's at today which is a juggernaut uh whether it's a good or bad thing depends on your point of view so i think that david in his own argument spells out why this isn't on the list this isn't about the walt disney company being a juggernaut this isn't about the power that that they have if anything if you're going to take from that genre i definitely think little mermaid is the film that belongs here because it basically it single-handedly brought the conversation that we could have animated films back animated films were all but dead at the time i i think you're gonna have a hard time putting it on the list because you've already got fantastic films from disney earlier in the genre and uh, in, in the era of, of filmmaking such as cinderella snow white fantasia that that cemented the language that's what this is about is what created language not about what created the force of an of a, a, a studio's empire and yes he is 100 right beauty and the beast is the moment where if 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 revolver comes out by the beatles and then they do sergeant pepper one whets the appetite the other pays off that's to me what Little Mermaid is to be in the Beast. Beauty and Beast was the one hundred percent. We figured this out. Here we are, and bam. But I, I just don't think you can put them too deeply into the argument when you consider that would mean probably removing films that are on a different level of animation. Well said. I don't have anything to add, so we're just going to give it. You know, we talked about it. Kids like it, so we'll give it a. Because the kids are like, hey, I can still watch it, right? So, yeah. um, the, well, that's a good point. Just because it's not on the list doesn't mean you can't watch it. Good point. And, and you know, and, and and you know, kudos to David because you know, again, uh, two of those, I when I first saw it immediately was like, what? 
But the great thing about, you know, looking at lists like this and then, you know, having these discussions is, yeah, I mean, it. Beauty and the Beast is a ballsy move, but like you said, he kind of made his argument and and uh, solved it in the same sentence there. But big thank you to uh, to to David again. Uh, he's uh, one of the hosts and producer of the Everlasting Minutes, so uh, make sure you check him out. David, thank you for your email. Keep it coming. Uh, we love hearing from you. All right, folks, we're going to get into Todd and I's thoughts. Um, I think I think we should start with you, Todd, and. Todd and I are, uh, because of the format that was kind of put up, put forth as far as taking movies out and putting them in, uh, we're going to do that. We're only going to do three though. Uh, in the, ins- uh, just, just, uh, you know, keeping in mind the kind listeners ears. So Todd, I think we should do remove first. I, you're absolutely right. So we're going to have to clear, clear the space. If we're going to bring somebody new in, I'm evicting the films, the sixth sense, the Shawshank Redemption and Ben Hur. Oh my God! Got to pick an old Shawshank. So uh, Six Sense, I remove it because great movie. I don't know that I think that it did anything. That I, if they do another version of this list in a few years, I don't think Six Sense makes it because I think removed from its cultural pinpoint, it doesn't do enough to change what we've got. I mean, it's a very Twin, I'm sorry, a very Twilight Zony, twisty kind of thing. I don't think there's much else. Shawshank. I think it's. A, um, did you want to say something, Jeff? I, I did. I do. But, well, yeah. Um, Six Sense. Um, I, I I agree with you on this. Um, but my my random my random question to you is, if the Sixth Sense did not have the success he did, would M Night be a better director today? I think with that question, I think he's fine. We're going to go off on a little bitty tangential (laughs) story. I think he's actually maybe hitting a second wind coming. Good. Yeah. With this whole uh, telling the glass story and all this kind of stuff that that was this long tale of the, the, the superheroes that aren't superheroes thing that he, that he relaunched with split. Very excited. However, what he did to himself was to, Man, if you want to talk about somebody that pigeonholed themselves, it was like, hey, he has to have a twist. And when you have to have a twist, Twilight Zone, for whatever reason, works. We we allow it maybe because it's only a thirty minute show, and we, we there, you know, the twist is coming in the whole point. But when you start making that a two hour movie, yeah, and you know the twist is coming, it's like, okay, everything you're telling me is a lie. Everything you're telling me is a lie. Where's my twist? And when the twist isn't what you want to be, you're like, ah, it's crap. Right. Okay. He's unfairly judged by that. And, and- uh, I just don't. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and, and that's well said. I don't, you know, I want to beat you up too bad about it, but that's just the one thing that that film that film made me think of was M Night yeah. because he had that huge. It was a big turn, uh, but all all being said, and and I, I didn't mean to, to to speak over you there, but overall, I agree. I think this is a good film. I think this is along with some of those others that the suggestions that we got. Great movie, but doesn't belong in the AFI top one hundred. Yeah, and so then jumping ahead to Shawshank, I I love Stephen King. I think that this Frank Darabont's film is a wonderful translation of that novella. You know, it's uh, he he's able to do exactly what adaptation should do, which is okay. Here's a detail: um, Red in the story is an Irish man with red hair. I don't think that's necessary to the story. I think it's more interesting to cast an African American actor who has a presence and call him Red for all but no explained reason i mean he finds those ways to to adapt it and make it great and it's a god it's a beautiful payoff it, it has perhaps one of my favorite lines that that hope is a good thing i love it doesn't belong on this list it, it, there you can't 
come along and say this film created a buddy genre in desperate situations where they believe in the hope and truth of life over the disparity of their hands. I don't think that genre exists. So therefore to me, it doesn't belong. Um, and just for the, the sake of brevity, I'll move along to why I'm removing Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur, I, I think is a very dated sloppy epic. I think that you absolutely, it, the reason it ends up on that list is because of that chariot race. We talked about that before. I think that there are any number of better epics. If you were going to say, I've got to replace and put an epic here, there are better epics to put on here. That, you know, I think Dr. Zhivago by David Lean is a better film than Ben-Hur. And I just, I don't agree with this placement. So th those are my three to remove. Are we ready to move on to the ads? Yeah, I think these are, you've explained all these beautifully. Uh, I, as much as I hate to say Shawshank, uh, you know, you, you do, uh, you do make a very good case there. So uh, with those three out, they're gone now. Nobody's ever heard of those movies. You've destroyed them. Anybody that met, you're pulling the, uh, uh, what is it, Hughes move where they can't be mentioned at all, any papers or anything, they're gone. By the way, is it okay if I move up to Omaha? Because I'm pretty sure I got divorced for removing <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So those movies, too. Now, now you've taken those from the hearts of the people. What are you going to give them in return? Okay. So with the interest of the, you know, and I'm, I'm probably going to be as big a stickler for the rules, which are what created the language change things. I don't think you can have this list without the following three. Number one, 1939, Stagecoach, directed by John Ford. That is a masterclass of early filmmaking and the techniques of, of a person who would go on to be uh, considered one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. This is such a seminal film that it is the film that Orson Welles screened again and again and again and again and again to learn the cinematic language he would then take to create Citizen Kane. How you can have Citizen Kane without this film on the list, I, don't, I can't comprehend. So would you say without Stagecoach, we wouldn't have Dance Moms? <laughs> Folks, he's leaving the, pod, the podcast to get it. I guess that, but I, that's a good one. That's at least a, a three on a scale to ten. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Jeff and I having too much fun with the cameras. I, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So good. Okay. What's your next one? 1931's Dracula by Todd Browning. Todd Browning oh man i really debated because he has another film and i'd have to look at when this came out he has a film called freaks that you know we talk about the the political correctness of things you couldn't make a film about quote unquote freaks today i'm looking it up so 1932 so it was seven years i knew it was prior to i'm not i'm sorry actually that's right freaks came after dracula god Okay, so what Browning does is he uses this gothic energy, these these shadows and the depth. It really, I I would be surprised if Toland wasn't a, a fan of of what they did with these films. Um, well, I'm gonna have to look now. I'm gonna have to look and see again who did the cinematography for Browning. But you're looking at the reason I'm gonna pick Dracula is I think that you can't look at what Todd Browning does, this is Bella Lugosi. This is the classic thing you've seen a thousand times with the big wide eyes and the cape in front of his face. You want to talk about something that is so imitated. You don't have then the universal horror films that would come on the, the, um, the werewolf. You don't have Frankenstein. You don't have all these films without this film. And I, I find it, 
I find it shocking. I find it sad that really the sixth sense, as far as I can recall, is the closest that we have to a horror film on the AFI list. I, I and I could be I, I could be corrected. I, there may be something else there, but man, you don't have what you have in cinematic language without Todd Browning's achievement in this film. Awesome. Ding. In. Um, so moving on, then I jump to 1996. Um, that would be the Coen brothers Fargo. So I think we talked while making the list about, my God, are there no Coen brothers on here? And I really did kind of go through, what do you put on this list of the Coen brothers? Coen brothers are just astronomically talented filmmakers. And I went through, okay, do you, you put blood simple? One of their early achievements for the door that it opened for independent filmmaking. Or do you jump ahead to Fargo, which now I don't think that you can look and say, and number one, you have the TV show Fargo. You have the TV show True Detective. You have so many things that have Fargo-esque elements to them to the point that I think that we, you know, we've had critics come out, I, you know, Country for Old Men, their own film, you know, almost is like, why wow, you can't have that without this first. I don't see how you can have this list without at least acknowledging the Coen brothers. I think it's a shame that they're not on that list. I agree. Uh, I don't know much about Stagecoach, uh, Dracula, Fargo, obviously a, a, a very good movie. I have, I actually have uh, on my list uh, one of their other movies. Um, but I think these are, these are good additions and, and uh, that, that's the great, great debate. This is something that, you know, we could, you and I literally could, could sit down and, and talk about uh, over the course of hours. So that being said, let's move into my three to remove. Um, they were fairly easy choices. Uh, E.T., Jaws, and The Godfather. I think in a... <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and he's left the podcast again. Um, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, you know, I again, uh, there, there are movies on here that... Um, that... Um, I'm, I'm sure have reasons, but just 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 for the interest of time, um, I definitely would uh, would pull off. Um, let's see, there was one I, I was writing it down and uh, I misplaced it. Um, you know, Toy Story. I know that it has its 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 uh, its history. I, I I know the argument against it, but I think Toy Story. No, I think there's other. If we're going to get into anime, I think there's some other things that could. Uh, definitely, uh, be, I mean, like I'd replace Toy Story with Big, or excuse me, Up anytime because I think Up is a very touching film. Uh, if we're getting into that, next one, I agree, I would pull off Titanic. Um, you know, and for it to be at eighty three ahead of Sophie's Choice and Goodfellas and French Connection, I think that's just Cameron's Cameron's snowball of of power. It's it's funny you mentioned Sophie's Choice because actually I sat there and I thought, okay, did Sophie's Choice do enough? Yes, it's great acting, it's great storytelling, but it do enough to change things. So I debated on removing Sophie's Choice, but I think I was afraid to. Right, right, um, and you know, and of course I'll pick on all about all about Eve. Um, you know, I think that's one that uh, I, I get it, but uh, out of all of them, that kind of had the biggest uh, question mark. Um, as far as films that I would add. Uh, I would go a step further. I think Fargo is a great movie, um, uh, but I think the Coen brothers really hit their stride with No Country. And my one little tidbit uh, to say why, technically, why should it be in the top 100, 
It is the only movie, and I know we're talking awards here, but it's the only movie to win Best Picture without a written score, right? I know I was, earlier I was saying soundtrack. You're like, well, every movie has a soundtrack, but a written score. There is no score written for that movie. Just so I don't sound like a complete fool. Every every film has a soundtrack when you consider that that is even the spoken word. Right. The the Foley work, etc. Right. It has no undercut musical elements to propel the story is what you're right saying. exactly um and for it to be such a dramatic movie and to be so intense to not have that underlying strings or reek 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 like um like uh like. psycho yeah uh i think for for them is a huge nod to the coen brothers to do that i don't know if they if they started out with that idea and said hey this is what we're going to do or if that was just the result of their artistry um, yeah. and, and you know, definitely think that 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 uh, that could that could replace a cut, at least a, one of those movies that I, I mentioned before. Um, another movie that that I know you're you're going to have a fun time knocking down, but I think is another influential movie that that I've watched um, and is one of my favorites is the Hudsucker Proxy. Um, it is a it is a good story. Uh, Tim Robbins is in it. Um, but the overall uh, way it's shot, again, is probably borrowed from a lot of other films. But I, to me, even though it may be using elements of stories told before, and yes, it's got a it's got a smart newspaper girl that talks like this. You see, um, to me, I think it leaves an over uh, a, a long lasting impression, uh, and in itself is a, is 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 a film and not just a movie. Hey, I. I don't think you can put Hudsucker next to No Country or Fargo. I, I don't think it's one of their better achievements, but I do like it. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I knew that that, that wouldn't be uh, a, a, you know one <laughs> go over uh, uh, that, flying. So that sound that stammering right there was Jeff's heart being broken. So so quick to 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 no oh, good. You're you're growing, and then so quick to be like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking. About. Um, <laughs> oh, it's cute. Jeff wants to play the movie game. Uh, so in the same breath, along the same lines, another one I know that will probably get shot down is Amadeus, which is, of course, my all-time favorite movie. Won a ton of Oscars. No, it didn't reinvent the wheel, but they did shoot a lot of it on location, and I thought it was a unique way of showing um, uh, uh, biography of a one of the most famous composers. Um, and, and is beautifully shot. And I think as a film as well, I, I, it's definitely, I, uh, belongs in the film category. Um, that's an interesting one to choose. I, I don't know if it ends up making the cut when you really get into this, but I think it's definitely, you can make a, an argument to put it in that top 250 of American film achievements. I think it does some stuff in it that is monumental. And I think that it even uses, uses a citizen Kane type approach where we aren't, our, our main character is not our main character. It's a movie about our, our main subject is not our main character. That's what right. I'm yeah, exactly. It's a, and, it, and it's a, it's a film about a composer. Yeah. And for them to make it interesting and dynamic and tension and a number of other things, plus the, the scene where he's on his deathbed and uh, Salieri, who's his kind of sworn enemy or unknown enemy, right? So your, your, your enemies in the room with you, the guy that's done everything he can to undermine you is now right, sitting there and writing your final piece of music and the beauty of Salieri 
only hating Mozart because he he wanted to know why God would choose such a socially inappropriate person to put that gift into. Right. So interesting. We'll give it a we'll give it a doorbell. It's knocking. And my last one, because you just made me think of this, we talked a little bit. Uh, it was mentioned in our conversation when you were here, um, and it goes along with the category of, of horror not being um, mentioned. How about Cabin in the Woods? I think Cabin in the Woods is a fun film, and I actually debated when I when I started thinking horror. What led me to pick Todd Browning's Dracula was my love for the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, because I think that you can make an argument for it by saying, wow, how many derivative films came after Halloween? You had Friday the 13th and you had all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it, it created something that really wasn't there before. You had you had boogeyman you know, type things, but a slasher film. Right. Um, to me, I think Cabin in the Woods is derivative of Halloween in those because it's so smart where it simply says, all the conventions you know and we're going to deconstruct them and i do think that is pretty stinking brilliant mm -hmm. so if we're going to if we're on a list of the best horror films i think it belongs here yeah. i don't know that i think it makes that top 100. fantastic well folks i mean that's that's our our, our probably going to be our last mention the afi for a while but for that, a while for a while uh that is definitely kind of how we would twist and turn it um i know that we're 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 sitting pretty good on time. We've we've uh, uh, we're getting into it. So we'll quickly cover these last two elements. Um, one of which is one that has um, sorely been overlooked, and I feel uh, awful about. It's just been scheduling and everything else. But several weeks ago, uh, months ago, it was six weeks, so a couple month and a half, we started the fantasy movie league. And had myself and a few other individuals join. Uh, we had one particular individual who, <laughs> I mean, just knocked it out of the park as far as, uh, you know, calling it. And basically the fantasy, uh, for those of you that uh, may not know, the fantasy, fantasy movie league is basically just like in your fantasy sports, but it uh, requires uh, you to pick what films you would show if you had a Cineplex, and then basically whichever movies make the most in real life, uh, therefore score you points in the league. Uh, Jeff ran a Cineplex called, uh, oh, now see, now I'm gonna blank on it. It was, uh, it's the one that... Uh, the one that won. The one that won, it, The Majestic. I was I knew it was like, I, I was gonna write it down. I thought, there's no way I'm gonna forget The Majestic, and I just did. Um, he won most every week. I think he won every week but one. Um, just destroyed everybody. So, uh, wanted to give him uh, some kudos. Uh, you know, we looked to schedule something, but I, I, rather than just calling and having him on the show, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay, lay down the producing foot and say that uh, for winning, we will get him some type of, of trophy or plaque. But I think we should have him on as a special guest because one of the areas we haven't really covered in pop culture is food. And Jeff is a really, really, really good cook. So I think we'll put something together, have him as a special guest on the show, and uh, let that be part of the reward, or not reward, for winning uh, the movie league, uh, Fantasy Movie League. Go you know, ahead. Screw you for not coming up with this idea when I was up there where we could have all <laughs> been together and we could have asked him to cook, come in, you know, 
so what you're going to do is you're going to fly him in. He's going to cook for you, and I'm going to watch on camera as you two eat. Right. No, I know. I'm just saying we'll have him on the show. He's actually in your area, so I would fly down, and we would all do that together. But uh, big, big round of applause. Big thank you to uh, to Jeff. He kicked everybody's butt, and all that's left is just the tears, the sweat, and the... Uh, the knowledge that tomorrow is another day, and you better watch your six, because I'm going to be on it when we uh, start the second season of that. Congratulations to Jeff. Thanks again. Go ahead, Todd. I'd like to thank you and Jeff for not continuing to play, because as you quit playing, David from Everlasting Minute and I continue to play, and we are currently trading back and forth in positions <laughs> one and two. So when you guys aren't there, we're actually kicking ass. You know, the weird thing about that is I thought we would do our season and then, you know, we could do that. And one of the things that threw me off was it automatically starts at next season. So I was having difficulty going back and finding the statistics and the numbers and everything. And that's part of the reason why it fell to the wayside. So good. I'm glad you and uh, David are having your, your, your practice, if you will. So when we get it fired up for season two, uh, we'll be good to go. Um, to close the show out today, folks, uh, we have uh, a little update, as you've heard on the previous uh, shows. Um, we were on the list, nominated list, to possibly make the slate for the podcastawards.com for 2018. I uh, checked yesterday, and we did not make the list. Um, so we, we <laughs> we're not there folks. We're not there yet, but, uh, a lot of other really good podcasts. And I invite you to go to podcastawards.com and check out some of those lists on there. Um, you know, Todd, your thoughts on that? You know, I just, so Jeff sent me that news that we didn't make it. And I, I, I'm probably too much of an eternal optimist. I, I try to always find where are we going? What are we doing? I, I couldn't be more thrilled that we really got this thing rolling to the point where we're cranking at regular episodes. And, and this is the point when I've done it before. I've, I've, I've asked everyone out there, rate us, whatever, get out what you think about it. But really, if you see a tweet from us, share it with your friends, let friends know about us. Cause that's, what's going to allow us to take that next step forward um to get this out there we really we love talking to each other we love talking about pop pop culture we want to share that with everybody so so help us out if you can let others know let others know what you think just find ways to share us out and i think if you do that i think we are ready to take the next step with that i agree and and i, I kind of signed us up for that note pretty much knowing like you said that there was probably no chance that we were going to get enough we're just we're, we're still building the audience and everything as well but I like the fact that you stress that we do love your feedback, our feedback. I was just thinking, I've been listening to Todd's podcast, uh, Minute of the Apes, uh, and you know I enjoy it. I laugh along with them, and I just realized I don't email them. And it's a weird line to cross, you know, where you're going. And I'll tell you, in and I've mentioned this before in the podcast many, many times, like Bill Burr's podcast, uh, Mark Maron's podcast, I'm like, I'm going to write in. And then I start writing, and I'm like, oh, this just sounds stupid. They're going to think I'm an idiot. And uh, so I am... I am at fault as well. So my commitment is I'm going to make sure that at least, uh, you know, twice a month I email one of the podcasts I listen to and say something to them because it's, it's interesting to be on this side now asking people to write in, but not be a person that writes. It's, it's a bit yeah. of a hypocritical thing to go through. So, 
Um, okay, so, uh, but again, I think we're, we're making good traction. Um, you know, we're going to continue doing this. Todd and I have made the commitment, uh, and, and we're going to continue to do it. We really enjoy doing it. And with that, to kind of finish the show up, I wanted to kind of take a little bit of a look. And some of, we have some data now. We have some statistics uh, of people that are listening to our podcast. And uh, just wanted to, to gently go over these. I uh, do want to... Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm pulling up the stats. We'll just do from from all time for the entire time we've had the podcast to begin with. Um, our top listeners are Brandon and Bill. Uh, these guys, these are a couple of guys that um, uh, I know professionally uh, who travel like I do and have been just avid listeners. They've listened more times than we have actual episodes. So they're listening repeatedly. Uh, these two uh, gentlemen have stopped me on many occasion to thank us for doing the show and really enjoying it. So big, big, big tip of the cap to uh, Bill and Brandon for listening. And uh, hey, guys, I know you're listening, so you know don't hesitate to send an email in if, uh, if you want to share something with the show. We'll give them. The kids are excited that you're listening. Um, we also have, uh, someone, uh, known as orange tree reggae, which is big. Uh, we have BZ, the rapper that listens quite a bit. Uh, we have, uh, Herzog JP that listens, uh, as well as a, uh, a number of other listeners that, uh, uh, are with us on a regular basis. As far as the countries that we've been in, obviously heavily in the United States where we're based, but Pakistan, Egypt, United Kingdom, France, Switzerland, Australia, India, Costa Rica, Canada rolls out the top 10. Did you know any of that, Todd? Are you hearing this for the first time? I, well, actually, all the people in Pakistan and whatnot are friends of mine, and I'm, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> that is the most – that's the amazing thing. You know, you, you, we talk about your dad on here, and I've talked before. My dad doesn't really know what podcasts are, and as I came up to see you, I told dad, yeah. I'm going up here, and I told him I, my friend I podcast with after the long expo- explanation of what a podcast is. I said, the weird thing is, and I knew this from many of the apes, is that occasionally people on the other side of the world find you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, just, that's that's why I'm so encouraged to continue. Let's find, you know, yeah. let's ask the people that enjoy us, share us, let people know about us so that more of these people can find us. There are people like us. We're all the other kind. They want to be a member of something like this. Come join us. I just think that's fascinating that people across the world are finding this. It really is. And, and you know, when we when we receive an email from someone overseas, it's going to be a red letter day. I just am, I'm really excited about it. And, and for me and in being, you know, part of the production team and, and one of the hosts, you know, it's, you know, in your mind, you're always editing. You're always working on trying to strive and make it better. It really is nice to go on here every once in a while and just kind of look. And it, it gives me a, a little of a bit of a boost. Um, so let's move on quickly to cities because I think this is going to surprise you. Now, obviously, a big tip of the cap to Omaha, Nebraska, because that's where the top listenership is. But close behind is Dallas and the surrounding areas. So thank you, Dallas, for your support. Uh, Mountain View, California, is uh, is a is a frequent listener. Someone out in Mountain View, um, Ashburn, Virginia, is another one. Um, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, San Antonio, Los Angeles, Albuquerque, Kissimmee, Florida, Parker, Colorado, Milano, California, Elkhorn, Nebraska, Denver, Colorado, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Norco, California, uh, Westlake Village, California, Inglewood, Colorado, Cedar Hill, Texas, Mount Joy, Lincoln, Nebraska, 
Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Miami, Florida, Castle Rock. Uh, and then we get kind of back into, you know, like New London, North Carolina. And we even have a listener out in Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is where I grew up. So, I mean, just, just the gamut of, uh, of people listening. And, it, you know, we aren't technically our one-year anniversary yet. It's coming up. But um, so fun to look at that and, and just naming off those cities uh, is, is a lot of fun. What are your thoughts? I, I'm humbled. By it. I am humbled <laughs> that that many people actually find us and listen. Yeah. That, that's amazing. And then the last thing I wanted to do real quick was just kind of go over that. That's from, that's from, you know, entire time. So that's, that's uh, going back a ways. But if we even just look at, um, you know, the past 30 days, uh, you know, Australia is still up there. France is still up there. Um, and then the, the regular, um, uh, gamut of cities, um, Lutherville, Maryland, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm just, like you said, I am humbled as well to go through and look and see that there are people out there. Cause obviously we know people in Dallas and Omaha are going to listen cause that's where family is. And, and, uh, we already kind of have a stake, but, uh, uh, do want to take this opportunity before we close the show out to just to, to really thank everybody. Um, this was a project that I've wanted to do for a long time. And if there's anything that I excel at is coming up with reasons not to do something. And so a big kudos to uh, Todd, who sat down and had a conversation with me, said, just do it. And, you know, just just produce it. The worst thing that will happen is, uh, you know, um, you know, even if we reach two people, it's like that old comedic thing. You know, if I can get two people to laugh, we're still a success. So um, plus we get to visit and talk and, and uh, you know, go through such great uh, subjects. So. Really humbled by it, as Todd said. Good word, and uh, thank you so much to all, everybody that supported us. Todd and I are here. We we love your feedback, and uh, really gives us uh, some extra gas in the tank, so to speak, to uh, continue to produce and do this when we when we see the love coming from the listeners. Todd, I I I don't know that I can add anything else on except that you you often mentioned that you had this idea and you sat around and, and I told you to just do it. But the great thing is you did it. it. It all comes down to life as a series of I've got an idea and uh, maybe I'm afraid to go out because when my idea doesn't work, it's, I'm going to feel like a failure. You're only a failure when you don't try. Right. And I, it's been a great joy to be a part of this. I, I couldn't be more proud of the effort you put into it. I couldn't be more proud of the fact that we're finding people the way we are. And I know that by next year, when those awards come around again, we're going to have more people that are behind us. We can tie it together. We can say, look, we'd really love if you go out and do this for us. So look, I said it before this, the other kind is not just me and Jeff. You're all the other kind. We're the other kind of people that love to sit back and take these kind of things in join us share us out there let people know let the other other kind listeners find us that's right find another kind uh, the other kind friend i like that make a bumper sticker or something well folks we appreciate your time for the last uh two hours or so i think we're close uh hour and a half or whatever for joining us uh we were so funny because we said after we're done with afi they'll be shorter we promise they're going to be shorter in the next weeks we just had a lot to cover today uh once again if you're listening on uh, stitcher uh soundcloud or itunes feel free to drop us uh, a review uh rate us if you like 
Send us a few, uh, email. We made it easy. You can email info at theotherkindradio.com, Jeff at theotherkindradio.com, or Todd at theotherkindradio.com, and we'll get back to you. We promise. So all that being said, thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll be back next Sunday. Never forget, we are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Radio. The Other Kind Radio.